0: sound really strange and I may not say it the right way but in a a strange way I think all this CRT nonsense is a good thing and here's why because it is forcing people to come out of their shell and talk about race that aren't racist because you've not you well maybe you too I don't know but people have always been you know you don't you know you don't talk about race. Why? Republicans don't. Conservatives don't. They never have. Because it's like the third rail for them because, oh, we don't want to—they think we're racist. We better just stay away. But people are coming out, and they're having these conversations. And they need to be more comfortable with the fact of, you know, hey, I'm talking to this black dude or this white guy or this Asian person. They need to be more comfortable with those conversations. And there used to be a way—you know, I've, I've, I think that the Jeffersons, Archie Bunker— Chico and the man and and son should come back, and then everybody can lighten the F up and laugh their asses off.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to The Only Place in Cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. Guys, this is part two of my interview with Scott Mineo. Uh Scott, again, is the founder of PACT, Parents Against Critical Theory. Uh, and honestly, all critical theory is bad. Here in the States, we have critical race theory. And in other places, they have other types of critical theory. Uh, anyway, this is part two of my interview with Scott. Part one aired last Monday. Hope you guys enjoyed that. This is the rest of what he had to say.
0: Manning. Now, did, let me ask you a question. Did you ever, and I'm fascinated with this guy. I think this guy is like, you know, I think he's awesome. Did you ever look into uh, Manning Johnson? Doesn't sound familiar. You know why? Because that because nobody wants you to know about it. Manning Johnson is a, it was a black man. He was born in 1908. Okay, the uh, NAACP was born in 1909 by white. Radicals, not black people, but white people, and Manning Johnson grew up, um, you know, somewhat despising uh, capitalism. And as he got older, he became he was able to join because the the communist whatever they called it the the, the U.S. Communist Party back then. Um, they didn't like black people, but they realized they had to be. This story is
1: sounding familiar. I think I heard Charlie <laughs> Kirk talk about this, but keep going.
0: Okay. So they, they, you know, they brought Manning Johnson into the fold and, you know, kind of long story short. So Manning Johnson ended up being, um, uh, one of the, one of the heads of something called the Negro Communist Commission and the Negro Communist Commission, he wrote about, um, and when you look at it, when you look at what they were, they took orders directly, the Negro Communist Commission took orders directly from Moscow and Moscow realized that the only way that they're going to succeed in turning the United States into a communist country is through race wars. He laid out exactly what it is that they, he did, right? And members of, of his his group uh, did at the direction of Moscow. It was to make, call black people stupid because it was the, the, the fault of white people and you can't get a job because of white people. That whole narrative was painted back Excuse me. Back then, he realized what was going on, and he's like, "You know what? This is, this is bad. This is really, really bad." So he was able to leave. He wasn't assassinated. He was able to leave, and he wrote a book called "Color, Communism, and Common Sense." And then um, in 1958, on, on YouTube, it's a, it's a, it's not a video; it's an audio. But his last uh, address is phenomenal. It's like 32 minutes long, and. People in society would stand to learn so much from this man. It's incredible. But they don't talk about him because it blows up their narrative. So people want to give credit to Saul Alinsky, Cloward and Piven. And, and they, they rightfully deserve some credit for what they have been trying to do, you know, way back when, when they started it. But it started with, in the 1920s and 30s, with the U.S. Communist Party and the um, Negro Communist Commission. And then they built the framework, you know, Clower and Piven and Alinsky, they they added and, you know, came up with their own strategies or whatever. But that's where it started. And if you read just a couple excerpts in his book, you're going to look at that and say, holy crap, I mean, this is like, it's like the guy's alive today and he's writing about what's going on today. It's amazing. It's really, really amazing. It's prescriptive.
1: Yep, it's, it's, yeah, it's Karl Marx. So. It's the Communist Manifesto. Uh, Hitler did the same thing, which you can read about. You can't read Dr. Seuss, but you can buy Hitler's best-selling Mein Kampf on Amazon right now. You can. What time is it? You might be able to get it by tomorrow afternoon if you order now. Uh, it's prescriptive, exactly. man. They've done it all over the place. And look at these bustling countries. You, you mean you don't want to go down to Venezuela, man? You don't want to go... Kick it in communist China, <laughs> or you know, man, it's just. But they make us feel like we're crazy. You're absolutely right. I I've heard that story before, and dude, it's absolutely right. That's what's happened. Uh, they're they're doing the same thing now. Um, with you know, this is what we mean when we say race baiting or race hustlers. Like I freaking love what's his name? Um, he did the Uncle Tom movie. Um, oh um you know. Yeah, well, I be? know you're talking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um Must is oh, gonna kill maybe. me. I am afraid to type time. Uncle Tom into the browser here. I feel like there'll be a Uncle of Tom myself. Larry Elder. Um, there you go, that's it. Yeah. A- I'm surprised it's just not a list of black conservatives, you know, Uh, Candace Owens, Officer Tatum. (laughs) uh, Yeah, man, Larry Elder talks about it all the time. It's so prescriptive and just the bullcrap. Like Booker T. Washington taught himself how to read. Um, He used to have his name, uh, what's his name? Frederick Douglass, you know, taught himself how to read, too. That was freaking hard these men walk off of the plantation and become, uh, I almost said suffragist. No, they did not become suffragists. Uh, become, you know, basically the the founding fathers of civil rights. They lived great lives, accomplished much. People, back then, they were Africans, not people like me. I'm not African-American. I ain't from Africa. They were actual African-Americans to walk off the plantation And by the end of their lives to be senators and congressmen. Like, give me a break. All of these, you know, I can say this. All of these black pansies out here that are like, boo-hoo, my life is, you know, bad because white people are racist. No, your life is bad because you're lazy and because you believe that you believe the crap that they put in the American History Museum being on time is for white people and math is for white people, balancing, uh, a budget and punctuality, doing what you say you were going to do. And you wonder why your work performance evaluations are crap and you don't get promoted or you get fired because you don't do any of the white stuff, which is called basic so work ethic.
0: Let me ask you as a, as a, as a, as a black man. So if, if being on time is, is, you know, you know, like a guy like me, I'm, I'm white. Being on time is racist. What is being late? Is is it, is it suggesting that being late is a black thing? Yeah. Is that, is that what they're saying? That's
1: the low expect, the soft bigotry of low expectations. We're not supposed to turn assignments on time. I'm telling you, man, I had, you, you mentioned, I, I didn't want to jump in with this earlier, but you mentioned that your kids dated, you know, presumably I haven't met your kids, presumably they're white, <laughs> but, uh, dated, you know, interracial, yeah, they, they had interracial relationships, man. Can I just tell you your, what you're describing and how the, um, their significant others are received by your family was exactly the same. Me coming up, you know, I'm an eighties baby. So coming up in the nineties and early two thousands, Um, It got to a point where like three or four girlfriends in a row were white. Um, But the interesting thing is, and I, you know what? It's funny. My wife's going to be listening to this. I've never told this to anyone, I think, except for maybe my mom once. When I dated black girls or brown girls or whatever, you know what the attitude was with their parents? Almost exclusively they talked down to me because they they would say to my face or in the other room where they knew I could hear them, he thinks that he's too good for us, um, and he thinks he's above <laughs> all of this community bullcrap. You know why? Because I got good grades, because I studied hard, because I worked. As soon as I could get a job, I've worked every day, you know, to today. Um, I started businesses. I've, I've done all of that stuff, you know? I've been on time. I've shown up early. I've stayed late. That was who I was since I was a teenager. And these black parents, threw all adults, threw all kinds of shade at me as a kid because I thought I was better than them because how dare I work hard and save money and be, you know. Moms who were paying attention loved for me to date their daughter. I was the best boyfriend around. I wasn't trying to get into girls' pants I didn't, I got emancipated at 16. I wasn't partying, I didn't have alcohol, any of that stuff. I was literally a decent kid. But check this out. I start dating white girls, and you know what their racist parents were like? They were incredibly supportive. They were so proud of everything that I accomplished. They were so interested with how well read I was. They took opportunities to learn stuff from me, these racist old white people from a black teen from Long Island. You know, none of my parents went to college, and they took every opportunity to embrace me and to learn from me, to hear stories about my childhood and stuff. Like, it's total crap. And everyone knows that Ben Carson talks about this. It is not cool in the black community to be smart, to be hardworking. It's cool in the black community to know all the words to the new Drake song and to know how to catch or throw a ball or dunk a ball or whatever. Um, And I did that too.
0: But yeah. But your downfall was, you know, and it's funny you say that because it's like, you, you know, you, you're showing white characteristics, it is what I think people in the black community, not all black communities, I, I but only my, ever heard it from
1: black people, too. I, I never heard a white like, person be like, man, look at this guy and his white characteristics. It was only
0: black oh. people. <laughs> And I, you know, you, you hear it all the time, um, like, okay, he's, you know what, he's acting too white. Why? Because he's got a master's degree, he was in the army, he went to Liberty. Where's the acting white part? <laughs> is Liberty, he
1: wearing a Liberty is like the most diverse place ever, too. Yeah, they say that. You go to Liberty, there's like all of these Asians, there's actual Africans. It's Yeah, you nailed it, man. This is exactly what they say.
0: And you know what, this is going to sound really strange, and I may not say it the right way, but in a a strange way, I think all this CRT nonsense is a good thing. And here's why. Because it is forcing people to come out of their shell and talk about race that aren't racist, because you've, not you, well, maybe you two, I don't know, but people have always been you know, you don't, you know, you don't talk about race. Why? Republicans don't. Conservatives don't. They never have. Because it's like the third rail for them because, oh, we don't want to, they think we're racist. We better just stay away. But people are coming out and they're having these conversations and they need to be more comfortable with the fact of, you know, hey, I'm talking to this black dude or this white guy or this Asian person. They need to be more comfortable with those conversations. And there used to be a way, you know, I've, I've, I think that the Jeffersons, Archie Bunker, Chico and the man, and Sanford and son should come back. And then everybody can lighten the F up and yeah. laugh their asses off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. None of that stuff would be allowed nowadays. And it's... No, it's you can it's, have
0: John. you know, Johnny, six years old, dressing up with his skirt and doesn't know if he needs to, you know, sit or stand when he pees. That's Okay. But this other stuff, you know, it's 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 just nonsense, and it's uh, you know what though? People don't talk a lot about it. it, it, All this, I I I even believe, and I have nothing to back it up, that some of these people that are pushing this crap, they don't believe it. It's part of the grievance industry. It's a multi-billion-dollar industry. I I know they don't. I know they don't. You. It's all money.
1: I know, especially like. It, it, the bullying of it all drives me crazy because like every white person in every corporate setting <laughs> has to say that they're racist and, and they're just trying to work out their racism or, or you know, figure out how to be less white or whatever. I know that they know that they're not. Like, are you kidding? I know that you know that you don't think that you are superior to a black or brown or yellow or whatever person. And you're pretending because you don't want to get fired. And because somehow the worst thing to do that proves that you're racist is to say you're not racist. Mm, Orwell is like nailed it. Orwell just got the year wrong a little bit. It wasn't 1984. But he is like, I freaking nailed it. Like give that man not a peace prize, but like some kind of clairvoyance prize or whatever. It's, it's a double thing. Oh, 100%. White people, my wife knows that she's not racist. My Oh, I moved their picture, but, you know, back in the 50s, there's there used to be a picture of my black grandpa and his German immigrant from Nazi Germany, you know, per, post-World War II, uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed wife, my grandma. They knew that they weren't racist. Like, get the heck out of here. And what... Let me ask you something, Scott. Say you are a white supremacist. Hmm? What could you do to me that would make me leave my wife and kids? Did you send me a threatening note or something? Because the fatherlessness bullcrap going on where literal slaves, you know, 1870s, 74% of white children born into wedlock. And now it's flipped on its head. This is another Larry Elderism. Flipped on its head, 20%, 24% or whatever of black kids are born in a two-parent home. What the F could a white supremacist do to make me leave my wife and kids? You know, say they're going to blow up my house if I stay in the home or whatever. It's
0: nonsense. That's that's exactly right. And you you know what's— What's really amazing is, <clears throat> so when the whole Charlottesville thing went down, two months prior to that, the same, the same, um, well, Black Lives Matter and Antifa showed up. That's why they had problems. But the same white supremacist or whatever they go by um, held a march in May, right? There was no BLM and there was no Antifa. And there, I mean, if white supremacy... Is everywhere, then these are the worst people at promoting themselves. <laughs> because, you know, I'd like to see, I, I don't see marches. I look, this sounds crazy. I look for news articles about white supremacists doing things. Because I would understand, uh, where is this? Let, help me understand. It's so bad. Let me see where it is. Now, I, it, it does exist. I know that. Right. But it's it's in the backwoods. These guys are drinking shine and they're lighting and shooting, lighting crosses and shooting guns. And there's not a black person around for a million miles. And they're just vet they're, they just hate everybody. But they're, where is there's the white there's also
1: they are more racist than white supremacists. I wish that, you know, the narrative, the Overton window has shifted too much on this. Uh, my grandpa <laughs> was racist. He hated Vietnamese people, and by extension, kind of Asians. He'd probably say all were the same. Why? Because he served in Vietnam. Okay, whatever, legitimate gripe or whatever. But he didn't believe—he just hated Asians. He didn't believe blacks were superior to Native Americans, to whites, to pick your European country, Greeks, or or whatever. Um, and then, of course, you know, when you say Asian, Asian, people think— uh, you know, not Middle East, but like Far East. They, they think China, the Koreas, Vietnam. So he, he wouldn't have hated someone now, you know, from Pakistan or any Astan type country. But he wasn't a black supremacist. All right. There, I've encountered racists. I've encountered throughout my life people like, oh, conservatives, black conservatives are just sheltered. Bull crap. Okay. From the city, moved to Virginia. I've experienced racism at work in public settings. Uh, I, I didn't, um, this flag is an internment flag that Funeral Honors uses to fold. You know, me and my team had to not work a funeral and not perform honors for a vet uh, because his family was racist so that I couldn't work the funeral. Like, so I get it. Racism's out there. Like, we're, we're not rainbows and unicorns or whatever. But white supremacists, that's a niche group like, straight-up, like, Nazi-type, because uh, they hate it all. They hate gays, gypsies, Arabs, Asians. Everyone would be feeling this. You, you'd be feeling this. They hate you because you let your kids date non-pure whatever, you know? Let them find out that your grandpa had sex with an Asian in Vietnam, and you're out, too. It doesn't even mean your whole bloodline's gone. That's yeah. white supremacy, okay? <laughs> like, can we stop throwing the term, like, I, I don't think I've ever met—I worked in a jail. Uh, I don't think I've ever met a legit white supremacist. Like, you described them perfectly. Backwoods, usually like shaved head, tattoos probably on their face and skull. White supremacists are easy to spot people. Like, they self-identify. <laughs> they're easier—, they're, it's good easier for,
0: than, they're, they're good for fights at a local bar— Whose specialty beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon? Right? And
1: <laughs> Blue Ribbon PBR.
0: And, and that's about it. Like it, it's just it's it really is is nonsensical. But you know this is the narrative the people they're trying to build this. What like you know we have this idiot president you know talking about white supremacy, white supremacy, everything is white supremacy. Really? See the the liberals are masters at reinventing meaning and, and definition of words. You know, there's a guy, um, Just like that is the communist. Uh, that's odd. That's, that's odd. So this one is, this is going to, I think it'll make you laugh. So there is a guy that, that I, I talked to who's in, in our circle of friends. And, um, I can't remember what, this was probably about two months ago. And he said, um, you know, Scott, I'm not, I'm against racism. I said, okay, <laughs> but you're still a racist. No, I'm against racism. I said, what you need to understand, in in the world we live in today, being against against racism is not the same as being anti-racist. In a normal world, it means the same thing. But in this world, you have to commit to being an anti-racist in order to even begin to not be considered a racist. He goes, that doesn't even make any sense. I said, I know. But there's people it that makes you know perfect sense
1: for to push a compulsory agenda. It's like if, if I if dogs were my thing and homeless dogs and whatnot, and I said, Scott, you know, you're against animal rights and you'd say no. And I say for you to prove it, you have to take in three rescues and compel. I have to compel everyone to do this action to
0: prove to me
1: that yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. It's and you have to be an anti-racist, an ally. But
0: then they, but then they move the they move the goal line because okay, you took in three dogs, but they're all the same size. Do you have something against large dogs? You know? <laughs> in and the narrative. So there was a I can't remember. She's part of the squad. This bald black lady from Massachusetts. I can't remember her name. She's a, a congressperson, congresswoman. And she came out of a couple months ago. The I think Omar? it was like February. Omar? No, she's, she's uh, Minnesota. Um, There's a bald squad member. Presley. What am I doing? Presley. Oh, okay. So she said, you know, if you really want to be and show that you're an anti racist, then you need to support um, for the forgiveness of student debt for black and brown people. What? Well, you know, here's here's what's funny. So that was in February. In October, Michelle Thomas said the exact same thing. During an equity meeting, she said, we need more black and brown people in this school system, and we need to forgive their student debt. What? Why? What? So so that means it, if we forgive their student debt, we're more, it, 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 you, give, you know, it's, you can't give in to these people.
1: It's the same scenario, no. though, but who's that going to help? It's the same thing where... There's a black person somewhere and they can pit themselves against me. I show up on time. I work hard. I do math. And they can, you know, if they say showing up I mean, is whiteness. And so they do the opposite of that. What's the outcome going to look like? We had 93 and change, $93,000 of debt. My wife and I, you know, she lowered herself to to the level of a black person. Ooh, she came down from the white pedestal or whatever. Uh, and we busted it to pay off $93,000 of debt. Now, who's going to be better off? What we learned and what we had to do in that experience, if the government comes along and says, hey, you black suckers, y'all can't do anything for yourselves. You're too dumb. You went to college and they, they let you in the college because you're black. And you got your degree, even though you did show up on time, you didn't throw. Like, I'm hearing that they're they're throwing out, not even standardized testing, they're throwing out grades because the grades are racist. So you didn't turn in assignments. You didn't go to class. They gave you the degree anyway because they had to because you're black. Uh, and now they're going to pay for your degree too. Well, hook, line, sinker, they did it all. Who's going to be better off in 15 years? Us, having gone to class and studied, been on time, done math, failed and succeeded and paid off all this mountainous debt that we accrued because we were dumb and we signed all these student loans and stuff, or them, who just has the government, they're going to have the worst outcome. They're going to be effed because the government does everything for them. And it's stupid because the government doesn't have a job, people. The government doesn't have money. I know it's confusing because the government makes money. They literally print money. But the government can't make money like Scott and I can make money by working and adding value to the world, uh, which is also capitalism. Um, The government can only take money, you know? Steve Jobs goes into the forest and comes out with an iPhone. (laughs)
0: Right. This is why they have to make math racist, is because as soon as, you know, people that look like you figure out, and understand that what they're doing is, you know, uh, funny math. Then they're going to be honest. They're, they're going to be like, "Oh, wait a minute! This isn't that. Wait a minute! Two and two is four. Oh, it's five now." So, I think what the government is doing is fine. But it's you know, it, it, what they it, it, they have to be changing the math, and they have to call it racist because they don't want anybody to understand what it is they're doing. They want to keep the art of confusion in there, and 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 by doing that, they. They I think they're starting to wake a lot of people, black people, white people, all kinds of people, because it's like, you know, it's an interest. So so the Democrats put out a report yesterday, I think it was yesterday, um, like a a summary of the 2020 election. Right. We know we know whatever. But they've got some really interesting insight in there. About how the needle has moved for blacks, for Hispanics. Um, towards the Republicans and things that they didn't do that they should. They they take the black vote for granted, like like uh, like Biden suggested. If you don't vote Democrat, well, then you're not black enough or you're not black or whatever he said. You know, but they really provide some interesting insight. Um, you know, I'm kind of digressing a little bit, but um, it, this whole world, it's kind of funny because it, this whole world of race is just— Is just dumb, and you know we we haven't even touched on this. Like the part that I find most insulting about this whole CRT stuff, um, you know, I get over the fact that you call me racist—not you, but whoever. But (laughs) like Martin Luther King, right? That color, color of skin, content of character thing is out the window. Literally, it's incompatible with what BLM would eat
1: MLK for lunch. Yeah, they they would they it's, would say it, that he was the whitest of all black people at this point,
0: you know. Yeah, and it's like okay, so prior to 2020, I mean, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there just a monument you know built a few years ago for Martin Luther King down in D.C.?
1: And every day I'm waiting for them to tear it down because uh, there was that BLM group or some BLM ish group. That just came out against Obama because of uh, one of his education policies or something. Yeah, it's happening it so righteous. fast. They're turning on Obama already, man. He was just like yesterday's news.
0: Uh, yeah, he 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 wasn't progressive enough. And during his, he set the tone for the the progressive movement, but he didn't pull enough progressive policies or or initiate enough progressive policy. Even though he did. But the people that don't think so, that's why they're turning on. Because, you know, how far ahead of their schedule would they be if Obama was even more progressive than he was? So the, the Loudoun thing, I'll leave you with this. So if you look at, uh, there's about 60 percent of the Loudoun County is white. Eight or so percent is black. And then the rest is mixed, you know, Hispanic and Asian. And I don't know what those numbers are off the top of my head. But when you look at Obama, he won in 2008, and he won uh, Loudoun County by 53 percent.
1: For those of you and who don't know who Obama is, he is the, uh, according to the current president, the first straight-laced and clean African-American gentleman.
0: Continue. Oh, that, that's
1: right. That's right. Not, not, your not point racist. Early. <laughs>
0: No, 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 no! It's just like uh, you can't go into a Seven Eleven or a deli unless you uh, speak with a slight Indian accent, right? That's uh, yeah. our president there too. Yeah. Um, okay. Poor but kids the numbers, are just the numbers smart as white kids. <laughs> oh yeah, but but he's also the one that made the comment that you, that you people do not know how to use an accountant. Somebody has to get you an accountant, like if you want to be an entrepreneur. You know, you don't know, it's you know how to get an accountant. Uh,
1: I I keep, uh, I don't personally, funnily enough, I don't personally have a lawyer, but I use a service where I have retainer for whatever type of legal action I need to take. So in a way, I, I've set that up or whatever. It's, you know, you, you, you punch in what you need and boom. Uh, but you know, someone emailed me today and their email is up behind this, this window. I have to email them back to my accountant. Don't don't tell the other black people Whoa. I have an accountant. I know. I know. She's like certified and everything.
0: <laughs> like, Wait a you know, minute. Did you find that on your own or did the government give it
1: to you? I, you know, I, I told my wife, I said, babe, we need an accountant. And I know that you know the white people ways. So go out into the town <laughs> and find us an accountant. Uh, no, I... I did what all smart people should do. I looked at someone and said, hey, you are a decent picture of success. You know, tell me about what you do. And that guy put me onto this accountant. it has been our accountant for several years. Uh, but anyway, I keep interrupting you, man. You figured that all. all
0: out by yourself.
1: I know. It's nuts. Yeah. I didn't even have to teach myself to read like a real slave. Uh, like Oh my goodness! It cracked me up when you said like something about like reparations for a thing that didn't even happen to you. <laughs> like I say that to black people all the time. Like goodness gracious! I mean, could you lay claim? I'm sure. I'm sure a crusader at some
0: point killed one of your relatives. You know. Well, let me let me put it to you this way: <laughs> Do you know what happened to the Italians during World War II? That came to this country. No. They were put in um, internment-slash-concentration-type camps. I'm, I'm, the name escapes me. Because they were believed to be enemy combatants, enemies of the state. When World War II ended—
1: How have I not they known had this? Let, we're they had everybody.
0: Us, they had to let all us guineas go, right? So what do we do? My family went out, and they, you know— it's 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 kind of interesting because when you look at the a lot of the Hispanics and the people that do the landscaping and all the manual labor, those were the Italians way back when. And they were called all kinds of vile names, spit on, you know, they they but you know what they did is they 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 coalesced and they like many like many ethnicities, they 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 moved to a location where there's like them. Right? So you got little Italy here, little italy there, and you know, commonality. But they never burned down their neighborhood. They never um, went after the government and said, you you lock this up and um, you owe us. You owe us. They put the money—or not the money. They, they put their nose to the grindstone and they made—times the all over the country did. And when I hear race baiters like the NAACP talk about how blacks can't make it, I look, well, man, you really are making people vic out to be victims that aren't. Because if you look at every ethnicity, it could be the Asians, you know, Indians, uh, the Muslims really started coming on the scene in, in the early, early 80s, right? Late 70s, early 80s. But but they keep making the when I say they, people like BLM and NAACP keep making it the, 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 the perception is that black people just cannot advance like every other ethnicity. And it makes me batshit crazy because I don't see any Italians up in the streets and doing all this stuff like BLM or Hispanics or um, Asians, right? You, You don't see it. And I think it is so, disingenuous isn't the right word, but I mean, I think it's so, I don't even know the word for it. I mean, if you listen to Manning Johnson's final address in 1958, he rails on the NAACP, and it's as if he were talking today. Same crap back then as it is today. And it's it's just so destructive. And it's like it, it boggles my mind how this happens.
1: Hmm. Yeah, government just trying to keep everybody down. <laughs> Reminds me of a Key and when but- skit. One. Have you seen their Black Ice skit? No. It's hilarious. Uh, if it hasn't been canceled, who knows? I don't know. Uh, they're canceling everyone. This is a pair of black comedians. Who knows? Maybe they're canceled too. Uh, man, we've been going and going. This is probably going to be two episodes. Uh, but I'll I'll ask you the, I think I only asked one question anyway. But I'll ask you the final question. We'll pretend that there have been questions here. Um, Man, you can snap your fingers, get everyone on Earth to have read and understand one book. What would you pick and
0: why? It would be um, color communism and common sense. It's not a long read. It's not um, you know a deep conception or um, theoretical type of book. And it's something that nobody knows anything about. And, it, and the man Manning Johnson was intentionally pulled from history only a hundred years ago, right? intentionally pulled because it would blow up so many narratives. I would recommend oh, yeah. people to the, the government. They hate free
1: thinking black people. They hate black conservatives. They hate a free thinking black successful conservative, someone like Ben Carson, you're a toast, you know uh, or um ah, geez, you just said her name. Candace Owens? Like, no, they can't have that. All of us, you know, I'm going to put myself on their level for a second. All of us are literally from the hood. You know, I remember being a kid and looking and being like, oh, yeah, they're at the drug dealers. Yeah, yeah. There's their, their guns and their dogs and, and their customers coming to buy drugs. It's just like, oh, man. But whew, thank goodness I've got white teenage girls to save the
0: day, and make my life better. What would you do? What would you do if you didn't have these purple-haired, Kool-Aid-haired, you know, people out there on your advocating for you? I'd say you'd be in a tough spot. You're lucky you figured out how to find an accountant.
1: Yeah, what would I have done if I didn't marry a white girl? You know, could have been a man. If I married a black girl, the her side of the family would hate me. You know, I make good money. Uh, not only did I go to college, but I doubled down and got a master's degree. Yeah, they would hate me. Yep. yep. Worse,
0: worse than a white person.
1: So the only box I didn't check. I went to the military. I was enlisted. Most people think I was an officer. No, I was enlisted. I, I uh, was an NCO. And uh, it was almost like a daily occurrence where someone's like, "You should become an officer." And it's like, hmm. yeah. Like what I'm doing. Uh, I thought about becoming I'm an announcer once. Him. Everything started falling the crap at that point. Uh, but we right. gotta
0: get to that. That would be that would be the book. It's short. I would tell everybody to look up Manning Johnson on YouTube, listen to his 32 minute address because nobody knows who he is, and he's got more words of wisdom in his in his 32 minutes there and his perception and uh, uh, look into a part of history not so far back that nobody knows anything about, that set the tone for what we're living as today.
1: All right. That's color, communism, and common sense. This is Scott Minio. You know, I hope I say your last name right, but I don't even care. I've said it twice now. It's it's ingrained into whoever listens to you this podcast. Um, but anyway, PACT is the organization Parents Against Critical Theory, and it's com. Check out the website. Uh, there's, probably, I have it right in front of me. I don't know why I didn't just look at this. There's probably like a donate button somewhere. Um, yeah, at the top of the screen. Yep, there it is right there. <laughs> uh, so uh, follow Scott's lawsuit. Um, and dude, I, I don't remember if you texted this into the group or if I saw it via, I'm on your email list, email or Twitter. Um, but not a litigious person, but... So glad that these lawsuits are being filed, man. These freaking organizations, school boards, um, governments, local, county, state governments have lost their freaking minds in the last decade. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, That's right. Yeah, man, I totally forgot about the lawsuit. We'll have to talk about that next interview. Uh, Cool.
0: (laughs) Anyway, I got an interesting story behind that. The basis of it, you know, um, you'll find kind of interesting. It involves my kids.
1: Awesome. Well, that'll be our cliffhanger. Uh, Scott, always a pleasure. It's kind of funny because we were just hanging out earlier today at the school board meeting. So uh, these come out on Mondays, but it is a Tuesday night for the magic of recording crap on your computer, eh? Uh, anyway, right. Scott Minio. Parents Against Critical Theory, follow, like, subscribe, share, do all that stuff. Uh, Well, to the podcast, but also to what Scott's got going on. And parents, I know that Scott was speaking and you were hearing all kinds of things for the first time. Guess what, folks? It's not just going on here in Loudoun County, wherever you are. And I get the podcast stats. Most of you are in California. Don't know why, like 60% of my listenership. As California conservatives, guess what, guys? Your school board is probably just as crazy as ours, if not worse. Um, so get in there and figure out what the heck is going on. Um, uh, thanks to the guy. Oh, I'm sorry, I forget your name. You're in, you're in Florida or south, or south. Uh, California. You're somewhere, but you emailed me about kind of how do you find, yeah, you're either on the East Coast or the West Coast. How do you find <laughs> out information about your school board and, and the curriculum? And a lot of times you just got to ask, you just got to email the administrator, superintendent, principals, whatever. Um, at the worst, worst case scenario, you got to FOIA it, which might cost you a couple bucks. Um, but your school board shouldn't be so freaking locked down and and not transparent that you need to do a freedom of information requests to get their freaking curriculum anyway. So the answer to your question is I'll email you back, but the answer to your question is you just got to ask for it. Um, yeah. You got to show up at the meetings and, and ask for it or email them and ask for it. Uh, and that's what Scott does. So thank you, my friend. We will have to get together again, in person sometime, maybe take down, Uh, A bottle or a pack of something.
0: Sounds good. Joe, thank you, sir.
1: Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to TheJoeMobleyShow.com and hitting Support the Show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.